This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday, March the 8th, 2023, and it is the first edition of the bullpen with Adam the Bull. Now, that may make no sense to you because I've been doing a show called the bullpen with Adam the Bull for a while, but we're shaking things up here at the Bet Rivers Network now that I've moved my podcast over, and in fact, I'll be doing two podcasts, the Bull in Cleveland with Adam the Bull. That is my local podcast, but the bullpen with Adam the Bull is now a national sports podcast, and the first one is coming your way right now. So much to get to on today's first program. I'll get into some NBA and some Major League Baseball later, but a lot of NFL talk to start it right here on the bullpen with Adam the Bull. So let me get let me dive right into it. Free agency starts next week, and things, as you already know, heating up big time. Yesterday on Tuesday was the deadline to decide whether or not you were going to franchise tag a player, a pending free agent on your roster. Some teams had easy decisions, some teams had hard decisions, and some teams had uh, otherworldly decisions, and let's start with that. That's the Baltimore Ravens and the situation with Lamar Jackson. And there's a lot of things about this Lamar Jackson situation that are very head-scratching. It's very unique, first of all, that a quarterback that has won an MVP, that has played, for the most part, especially earlier in his career, not that he's been around that long, at at least a top 10 level would get to the point where he not only gets franchise tag, but it's not a non-exclusive franchise tag. And within an hour, a report breaks from every quarterback needy team that they're not interested in Lamar Jackson. Now, we ha- every, and then everybody screams about collusion and things have gone crazy. So let me bring it back. Let me bring it back to actually something – I briefly talked about on my TV show yesterday, but didn't have the chance to go in depth in, and I want to get to that now. Lamar Jackson, to me, if I was if I was drafting all the quarterbacks from forget forget contract, forget contract. If I was starting, if the NFL was starting over today, and everybody went into the draft, and I was drafting. Uh, Lamar Jackson would be one of the top 10 draft picks. I think that's pretty obvious. I think most people would agree with that. Now, there may be some people that feel like, well, you can't run as much as he does and be a successful quarterback. Uh, I don't think that – I don't believe that. And I think he can still have success in the league. However, there are flaws with Lamar Jackson. He has not been the most accurate passer. He's been very injury-prone in the last two years. And – the fact that he runs so much factors in, you would think, to the fact that he has gotten injured the last two years. And the reality is, since his MVP season, he hasn't been as good a player. Still good quite often when he's been healthy, 
but he hasn't played at that super elite level, that MVP caliber level since he did it. Now, can he get there again? I think it's possible. Can he get there? I more than think it's possible. I think it's it's likely. But can he do that consistently? That's where I'm not sure. A, because of his inability at times to be accurate. And B, because he's been injured a lot. He's not a huge guy, but he has been injured a lot. And I think that would be a concern going forward. Nonetheless, contract aside, as I said, if I'm starting a league from scratch, he's one of my top 10 guys. I'm probably taking him sixth or seventh. But certainly not much later than that. Even if you want to drop it a little bit, he's not going out of the top 10. There, there's no way, contract aside, there are 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that are you could that you would rather have than Lamar Jackson. To me, that would be crazy. So what's the problem here? Well, n- this is not done in a vacuum. The Ravens are a smart franchise that usually does the right thing. Uh, the Ravens are in a situation where Lamar Jackson saw the contract that Deshaun Watson got last year from the Browns and says, well, I'm more accomplished than Deshaun Watson. I've won an MVP. I should be guaranteed every last dollar, too. Now, in the NFL, players don't get all their money guaranteed. It's insane that that's the case, but ultimately, it's the player's fault that that's the case because they have never been able to hold firm enough as a player's union to demand guaranteed contracts. The NFL is the most profitable sport in America. I would say the world, but I'm guessing soccer is more profitable. I'm not sure. But certainly in America, the NFL is the most profitable sport, and it's not even close. And yet, NBA players and, and Major League Baseball players have guaranteed contracts. And the NFL players do not. Now, you get some portion of it guaranteed, but you don't have it fully guaranteed. And Deshaun Watson changed that when the Browns guaranteed every last dollar in the trade. Now, this is a different circumstance which people fail to ignore. Or fail to ignore. They ignore. They don't fail to ignore it. They are ignoring it. They're succeeding in ignoring it. The difference in the circumstance here is that Deshaun Watson was being traded. Deshaun Watson had his choice of where to go. In the negotiation initially, not the case anymore, but in the initial negotiations over the last two years, or a year and change, whatever, between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, it wasn't like Lamar had options. The Texans were clearly trading him. They gave him time to negotiate with what we believe to be four teams. And so the Browns were in a position that they felt they had to guarantee him every last dollar. Seems seemed crazy at the time. After the way he played last year, it seems crazy now. But in the end, what it did was factor into at least the Lamar Jackson negotiation and maybe others. Now, we've seen other quarterbacks sign since then. Not at that top tier, but just in the last few days, we've seen Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones all sign. Now, those guys, and I'll get to those contracts in a minute, those guys are tier three, tier four quarterbacks. Not the case. Deshaun Watson, before he his suspension, before he sat out, had been a tier one quarterback. So had Lamar. 
At worst, you could say they're a tier two. I would say they're both tier one. Certainly Lamar was at his MVP status, but at the very least tier two. And so below that, okay, you know you're not going to get guaranteed money. But but Kirk Cousins, he actually did get guaranteed money by Minnesota. And he's, you know, a borderline tier two, tier three quarterback, in my opinion. And he uh, he got guaranteed money from Minnesota. Now, it wasn't over $200 million. I can't remember exactly how much it was when he signed that first contract with Minnesota. But I want to say it was like $80 million, something like that. I can't remember the exact amount. But he got it exact. He got it uh, guaranteed, every dollar on that contract. But then other guys signed, including Patrick Mahomes, including Kyler Murray. Uh, in fact, Kyler Murray signed after Deshaun Watson signed. And I think going into the year, maybe we would have thought of him as a tier two quarterback. But he didn't have every dollar guaranteed. He signed for a lot of money, not far from what Deshaun Watson signed for, but it wasn't guaranteed. So what's happening is these other teams don't want to guarantee every last dollar for these quarterbacks. And so everybody's now jumping up and screaming, collusion, collusion, because we got all these reports that nobody wants to sign Lamar. First of all, I don't buy that all these teams are not interested in Lamar. But what what is the benefit to all these teams coming out and publicly saying they're interested? Now, guys who sign the non-exclusive franchise tag, very almost never, I think there's only been one player that has signed a non-exclusive franchise tag and then signed with another team and then left with that team and the and the original team got two first round picks. I, it rarely happens. This rarely is almost never happens with a quarterback. It's a very unique situation. Um, so I don't know how it's going to play out. And maybe three months from now, four months from now, we may look back and I may say, you know, the people that were screaming collusion on Lamar Jackson were right. But that's that's a, first of all, it's a hard thing to prove. But there is some truth to the owners not wanting to be put in a situation where they have to guarantee every dollar to the quarterback, which, again, I think the players were stupid for not fighting more to get that. And I think in a sport this violent, if I were the players, I damn well, I I get it. I understand why Lamar Jackson wants every dollar guaranteed, why Watson did, why Herbert may ask for that, why Joe Burrow may ask for that. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. Will one of these teams eventually either sign Lamar to an offer sheet and will the Ravens match? Will it be fully guaranteed? Or will he be willing to take a mostly but not fully guaranteed contract from a team besides the Ravens? And I think that could be the case. Now, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know Lamar personally. He doesn't have an agent, which makes things trickier. You know, one of the... And listen, I've had an agent in my life I don't right now. They're sleazy. Most agents are sleazy in my experience, okay? But the the benefit of having an agent is the agent gives you a feel for what other teams are thinking about you. As a player, you're not going to get that same feel and that same access that the agent will have. Okay, but Lamar's gone on, on his own, so be it. He's not the only player. He won't be the last player that doesn't want to give his money to an agent. I get it. So Lamar is now in a situation where I wonder, though, because he feels aggrieved by the Ravens, and to some degree you could argue, yes, they're not showing complete faith in Lamar Jackson. Um, So you wonder 
if there are other teams willing to negotiate with, with him, which I think they will be, even despite all the reports yesterday across the league within an hour that none of these quarterback-needy teams were interested, I think there will be teams that will be interested. And I wonder if he's going to be willing to take a non-guaranteed fully con- – now, again, he's going to get – a when, event- when he signs a long-term deal eventually, whether it happens this year or next or whenever it happens, he's eventually going to get – a good percentage at the very least of his contract guaranteed. He's a very good quarterback. However, as the year, as years go by, if he continues to struggle to stay on the field, that, that percentage is going to go down. So I wonder Now he bet on himself last year and it didn't really work out. He got off to a great start, played fantastic. The first three games, he was, you know, decent after that. And then he got hurt and he missed the rest of the season and he's missed going into the playoffs two years in a row. It's been a mess for him and the Ravens. And so I get it. I get why this is a tough situation. As much as I like Lamar Jackson, he's helped me win two fantasy football championships. I know you want to hear about my fantasy football team. As much as I enjoy watching him play, he's one of the most fun players in the league. As good as I think he is, I just said I'd take him top 10 if you put everybody in a draft. I still... If I were the Ravens, would rather franchise tag him than pay him a big contract, especially if he's only going to accept a contract that's fully guaranteed. Because I feel like I got to see Lamar play another full, healthy season at a high level before I don't I dive all the way into the pool. There's things about his game led by the injuries that make me a little nervous. Um, and so I I get it. It's a tough spot, but I wonder if in the end, if a team does go after him, if he'd be willing to take non, some non-guaranteed money, and will the owners, you know, I, I say, I'm putting air quotes up that you can't see, will the, the, the owners, you know, quietly collude? Are, they, are the owners behind the scenes saying, hey, guys, the Browns got out of pocket by signing a fully guaranteed deal. If you don't want this to become the routine... You can't because if Lamar Jackson gets a guaranteed 100% guarantee on his contract, well, what the hell are Justin Herbert and especially Joe Burrow going to get? And and the there's a rule in the NFL. I don't know if folks know this that you essentially have to have every dollar you're paying to a player in their entire contract, all the guaranteed money has to be in like an escrow account or some sort of account. You have to have that money. It can't just be on credit. Mike Brown, the owner of the Bengals, while rich, and I have zero sympathy for him because I got no sympathy for billionaires ever. But Mike Brown, in the in the caveat of NFL owners, is on the lower end of you know his his wealth. So like for Mike Brown, if the number gets too high, he might not even have the money in on hand to actually sign a Joe Burrow contract. Now, the Bengals, if you don't know this, for the first time ever, sold naming rights to their stadium in 2022. Why did they do that? <laughs> to pay Joe Burrow. I mean, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. You know, you got many owners in the NFL that are you know, so, uh, you know, another level rich. And I hate to separate it because Mike Brown is richer than 99.9% of us. And I, again, I, I'm not crying for him in the least bit. But compared to a lot of the other owners, 
he doesn't have as much money. And so he probably had to do that to, to be able to pay Burrow. So watching this Lamar Jackson situation play out, will other teams jump in? Will it turn out that in a couple of months we're, I'm one of the people also screaming collusion? It's going to be fascinating to see. And again, how this affects the other teams. I know in Cleveland, where I work locally, Browns fan, a lot of Browns fans are like celebrating that the Deshaun Watson contract has killed the Ravens and may kill the Bengals. Now, I don't buy it's going to kill the Bengals because I do think Burrow's going to sign in Cincinnati. I think he's going to resign. But you never know until it happens. It hasn't happened. Now, what I've said to my Browns fans' friends, and I have many of them, is I don't know that you could celebrate yet because Deshaun Watson was terrible last year. Now, I expect Deshaun Watson to bounce back and play like he did in Houston, which was top six quarterback level. But until he does it, we got to see it because we haven't seen it for two years. So I can't dance a jig for uh, – I, me dance what I don't even know what a jig is. I, you've heard that expression, dance a jig. I got to look that up. It's like some sort of type of dance. A lively dance with leaping movements. I don't think I, I don't think I would ever dance a jig, actually. I'm in no position physically to be doing a lively dance with leaping moments. I could do, you know, I'm doing it, you can't see it, you know, the 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 arm flip. The arm spin, like the, those cheesy moves. I ain't jumping and, and laughing and doing any of that nonsense. But anyway, I digress. Um, until Deshaun Watson's good, you can't really celebrate destroying the other teams. But little victories, I guess. All right. So obviously, we'll keep an eye on the Lamar Jackson situation going forward. Let's get to some other big news in the NFL over the last 24 hours or so. And let's go to the New York football teams. Um, my old stomping grounds. Both the Jets and Giants are in the news. Let's start with the Jets. The Jets flew out to California. They traveled uh, on mountains. They rode through streams. They went through trains and buses and planes. They found an igloo in California. Yes, the one igloo in California to hang with Aaron Rodgers, apparently. Now we'll see what happens. Uh, This feels a little like the Brett Favre situation all over again. The Jets organization has been a disaster. Uh, They've been a disaster forever, my entire life. Now, they've had their moments when they've been okay, but they've never been able to find a quarterback. Never. Obviously, Joe Namath, he won a championship before I was born, right before I was born. That's over 50 years ago. Since Joe, the Jets have had no good quarterbacks. They've had mediocre quarterbacks. They had Chad Pennington. Mark Sanchez somehow went to two AFC championship games. How that guy went to two AFC championship games, we'll never know. You had Richard Todd. You had Boomer Esiason at the end of his career. And then you had Brett Favre at the end of his career, who did give the Jets one good year. But this is what the Jets do. They fail on young players, and then they go get an old guy. Now, I'm not going to kill the Jets for going after Aaron Rodgers. I know uh, Joe Klecko, who's going to be inducted in, or enshrined at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They like to say enshrined, not inducted. 
Uh, Joe Klecko is going to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, it's going to be the Jets and Browns in the Hall of Fame game with uh, Joe Klecko, Darrell Revis, and Joe Thomas of the Browns all going in the Hall of Fame. But the Jets like to, once they fail on the young guy, they go the old guy route. This has been their history. And for the most part, it hasn't worked. They've had no essentially no success for five, five decades. Um, so now they're going to try it again with Brett Favre because they look at their defense and they say, well, we got a pretty good defense. And they look at their weapons on offense, and they say, well, we've got decent weapons, led by Garrett Wilson, who was great as a rookie. Jets did a good job in the draft last year. I'll give them that. Great job. And a, a, a offensive and defense rookie of the year. Both awesome players. I like Brees Hall a lot. He looked great as a rookie until he got hurt. I don't know you know, how effect it may be. I, I'm a little concerned he won't be the same player. Certainly not until maybe 2024, but who knows? Uh, did I say Brett Favre? I meant Brett. Well, I said Brett Favre earlier, but I think I said Brett Favre again now. So, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. I mean, of course, the Browns went down the or the, the the Jets went down the Brett Favre route years ago, and now they're taking the other maybe washed up Packer quarterback and bringing him in in Aaron Rodgers. If I said Brett Favre uh, again, I apologize. I don't know why I have to apologize. It's not really that big a deal. You knew what I was talking about. But Aaron Rodgers, I know he won. Listen, Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs in 2020, 2021. It's not that long ago that he was playing at a high level. But not everybody is Tom Brady. Not everybody. In fact, nobody's Tom Brady, except for Tom Brady. Most players, by the time they're in their late 30s or 40, they're done. Aaron Rodgers is going to turn 40 during this season. He's coming off what was a poor season in Green Bay, right? He had through 26 touchdown passes, his lowest since 2018. Uh, if you look at it per game, it's really the lowest, one of the lowest of his career. Uh, it was bad. He threw 12 picks. Only his rookie season of 2008 did he throw more. He completed, his completion percentage was 64.6, his lowest in five years. His quarterback rating, 91.1, his lowest since 2013. So on and on, yards per game, uh, probably the lowest of his career, yeah. Lowest of his career. I just don't know. Average yards per attempt, 6.8. That's poor. That's his worst in almost a decade. With Aaron Rodgers turning 40 in December, I know it's late in the season, but and a clear decline in his performance last year, I just don't know if trading draft capital and trading and spending a ton of money for a pain in the ass, Moody thinks he's God and potentially washed-up quarterback makes a lot of sense. I think that I understand that the Jets feel, as always, with the pressure of New York, desperate to get a quarterback. They don't have one. It's laughable. It is laughable that the Jets... Um, 
when when you look at the Jets uh quarterback depth chart, you know, last year everybody's trying to talk themselves into to Mike White being the quarterback of the future. We know that's not true. We know what Joe, Joe, Joe Flacco is. He ain't the quarterback of the future. And it's laughable to me that the Jets brass, now I give him credit, again, last year, great job. I mean, you, dra- you drafted Brees Hall. You drafted Garrett Wilson. You drafted Sauce Gardner. I mean, that's an absolute home run. They get an A++. But Zach Wilson is garbage. He's going to be garbage. He'll always be garbage. He's never going to be any good in the NFL. I personally, I get plenty, I, I make plenty of mistakes. I'm not one of these sports guys who can't admit when he's wrong. I thought, I thought Baker Mayfield was going to be good. I thought Carson Wentz was going to be good. Hell, I thought Josh Rosen was going to be good. And obviously I'm wrong about all those guys. But I've gotten plenty right too. And I thought Zach Wilson was nothing coming out of college. I didn't understand that draft pick. I thought the Jets blew it on Darnold. I was right about that. I thought they blew it on Wilson. I'm right about that, too. He's not the answer. So I get that the Jets are desperate. I think Brett, uh, Brett Favre. I keep wanting to say Brett Favre. I think Aaron Rodgers in the long run, well, even in the short run, is going to turn out to be a mistake if the Jets make that move, although I think they are going to do that. Okay, let's, talk, let's move to the Giants now. Daniel Jones yesterday gets a four-year deal worth $150 million. Um, now, as you look at the contract, you see that the, the Giants could get out of this deal with Daniel Jones after two years if he doesn't pan out. Daniel Jones is a nice player. Um, and in the end, because they're only... I, 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 if, if I were the Giants, I would have franchise tagged Jones and I would have let Saquon Barkley walk. To me, listen, this is not 1985 anymore. It's not 95. It's not even 2005, okay? The days of spending money on a running back should be over. I am not spending big. Now, in the end, the non-exclusive franchise tag on Barkley was only $10 million. It's only one year. But I'm not in the business of giving big money to running backs for the most part. There are a few exceptions. And Barkley has proven he can't stay healthy. And I don't trust him. And I, if I'm the Giants, I, I, it, to me, it's much easier to find a running back than a quarterback. Now, in terms of Daniel Jones, is he worth $40 million a year? In the end, you're worth what anybody's willing to pay you. Um, to me, it's crazy to spend $40 million on Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones is not a game-changing quarterback. The Giants will not win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. I believe that... For the foreseeable future, every team that wins the Super Bowl will have a top 10 quarterback. And I don't, I, I, you look at the 49ers. The 49ers, if you take out quarterback, have the most talented roster in the league. And I don't think it's that close. They've got, especially now, they've got Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the two or three best backs in the league, right? Certainly the most versatile back in the league. Their number two back, Elijah Mitchell, had a great year in 2021. He's really good. Their tight end's a top five tight end. Yes, he's injury prone, but when he's on the field, he's a top five tight end. They've got two really good receivers, two top 20, top 25 receivers. They have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. They have great linebackers. They have a great secondary. They have a great coach. They have a great GM. They have everything. 
except for a quarterback. Have they won a Super Bowl? No. Now, you want to say, well, they've come close. They've done this. In the end, they, they will not get it. And that's with the best roster. The Giants have a nice roster. It's nice. Decent defense. Pretty good. You kept Barkley when he's healthy. He's a good running back. What do you have at the skill position, talent, if you're the Giants? So you've got a mediocre quarterback, and that's what Daniel Jones is. He's mediocre. His best year was mediocre. He was the Daniel Jones. Let me just make sure I have this stat correct before I share it, and then I have to say, oh, no, wait a second. Let me correct that. Daniel Jones was the first quarterback ever to get paid this level of money and and not even have 20 touchdowns. He threw 15 touchdowns. I get it. I get he used his legs, and he was very effective that way. But he threw 15 touchdown passes. This guy, as a passer, is mediocre at best. His touchdown totals rookie year through 24. Right? 11, 10, and 15. We're paying $40 million to that guy who's thrown 36 touchdowns in his last 41 games. I mean, that keep it. I guess you got to keep up with the Joneses because all these quarterbacks get paid big money, but Giants aren't winning a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones. Now, you want to tell me you think he's got another step? He can, he can move up to be a top 10 quarterback? I, I guess we'll see. I just don't believe it. The Giants felt they had to go this way. We'll see in the long run. Again, when I first heard the news, I, I hated it. Then when I saw they could get out after two years, I was like, well, I would have locked them up for one. So I guess two is not the end of the world. They could move on after two. Uh, my guess is the Giants don't make the playoffs next year. Other big moves in the NFL. Saints signed Derek Carr. Seahawks signed Geno Smith. Good for Geno getting that contract. Um, like I just said with Daniel Jones, the Saints aren't winning anything with Derek Carr. Guys never won a playoff game. I've heard more excuses for Derek Carr. He's such a nice – everybody loves that he cries. I got Listen, I think a real man could cry. I got no problem with Derek Carr crying. But it's like he cries and everybody wants to fall in love with him. He's been done wrong. This has happened. I mean, he's had good talent around him at times, especially on offense. I mean, the Raiders haven't been very good, but they, they, they haven't been the Browns or the Lions. Let's not get carried away. Guys never won a playoff game, ever. But he's going to go to New Orleans and win a Super Bowl? He's going to turn 32 next month, and he's never won a playoff game. I mean, he's a decent quarterback. I, I, I take him over Geno Smith, I guess. I don't love either guy, but good for Geno. Never really got, in fairness to Geno, he never really got a chance. And he got a chance last year, and he played pretty well. Now, he struggled later in the year, but overall he did well. Uh, other franchise tags that got uh, doled out yesterday, Tony Pollard with the Cowboys, Evan Engram with the Jaguars, Deron Payne with the Commanders. That's a great move. He's a great player. The average fan may not know him because he's a defensive tackle, but he's a great player, and he would have had a big market. 
Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. I think the, the Raiders franchising Josh Jacobs, I don't get that. Again, I'm not, I, I think Josh Jacobs had a career le- year last year. I think he'll go backwards. Evan Engram went from the, the scrap heap, got cut by the Giants. And man, that Jaguar offense, look out for the Jaguars this year. Trevor Lawrence put it all together in the second half. They've got Evan Engram, who had a nice year. They got all the receivers they brought in last year. Everybody was killing them for the, um, oh, my God, what's his name? The uh, wide receiver they signed from the Cardinals. I'm trying to blank on his name. Ah, it'll come to me. Everybody killed him for that contract, including me. And he had a great year, even though I can't think of his name right now. And now Calvin Ridley, who they traded for from the Falcons, and was suspended, and this guy was a top draft pick by Atlanta and had a great year as a rookie. He just got uh, reinstated by the NFL, so they're going to have him back. Zay Jones had a good year. Now i got to look it up because it's going to drive me crazy. Jaguars depth chart. Christian Kirk. Thank you, Monzo. I could not think of the name. My brain was freezing on that one. So, I mean, the Jaguars are a team to watch out for. All right, quick break. And then I'm going to do uh, just a quick hit on the NBA and a quick hit on Major League Baseball. We'll talk, obviously, spend more time on those sports in future bullpen podcasts, but a lot of NFL stuff with free agency going on. So quick break, back with more after this. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, welcome back. It's the bullpen with Adam the Bull, the first edition of the national bullpen with Adam the Bull. Very excited as part of the Bet Rivers Network. And we'll be spreading our wings out to the entire country, the entire world. I won't be talking soccer. I'm sorry. You know, I used to make fun of soccer. I don't anymore. I have all due respect. I actually watched the World Cup last year, some, and enjoyed it. But I know nothing about it. So I'm not going to waste your time talking soccer, a sport I don't know anything about. Hockey either. I know nothing about hockey. I'm not a phony. I'm not one of these people that pretends he knows sports that he doesn't. I know baseball, football, basketball. I talk about baseball, football, basketball. Uh, Monzo can talk hockey to you sometime at some point. He knows it all. My buddy Mel in Seattle. Shout out to Mel. He loves hockey. He knows hockey. He's excited about the, uh, what do they call again? Monzo, what's the Seattle team? The Kraken. The Kraken, yeah. He says he's excited about them. But that's it. I'm not, uh, so there you go. So let's get to the NBA because... This is the time of year in the NBA where you kind of want to, like, rip your eyes out of your head and just get the playoffs to start. The NBA has become, like all sports, there's a big difference between the regular season and the NBA. Every sport. I know enough even about the NHL to know there's a big difference. College basketball, certainly. Major League Baseball, NFL. But there is no bigger disparity between regular season and postseason play than the NBA. And that gap has spread in recent years. We have players that don't play for no reason. Now, that uh, I'm not just blaming the players. This is on the owners, too. Well, not necessarily the owners, but the, t- the coaches and the GMs, they like having these maintenance days. Why? Because everybody makes the playoffs. That's my beef with both the NBA and the NHL, that too many teams make it. But So now you have 10, 20 teams in the NBA that at least get a play-in game. And so you rest guys for the playoffs when it matters, especially the veteran teams that have proven they can win in the postseason. So whether it's the Lakers, who are not in any great playoff position, or the Warriors, or the Celtics, or the Bucks, or the Sixers, 
those teams have consistently been in the playoffs, even even Phoenix and Denver, even though uh, Denver especially hasn't had success in the playoffs. But they know when they can rest guys. And so it sucks for the fans, the little kid that gets the, the Christmas gift or the Hanukkah gift, and he gets tickets to the game, and the Lakers are coming to town and LeBron doesn't play or the, the you know, the – the Sixers are coming to town and James Harden doesn't play or the Mavs are coming to town and and Kyrie Irving is spewing anti-Semitic hate and not playing. Um, he's not a great guy. But, uh, but in the regular season, and especially this time of the year, it's tedious. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I love the NBA playoffs. I was a huge NBA fan as a kid, but I have to kind of force myself to watch the NBA in the regular season a lot of times. Because the games can, especially late in the season before the playoffs, the games can get tedious. But there are a couple of interesting things going on. First of all, the Knicks. I hate to be New York-centric today. I talked a little about the Giants and Jets. Now i got to mention the Knicks. The Knicks blew a huge lead last night. And they, they should have. They had won nine in a row. They could have won ten in a row. And that was a fairly big game because they're battling to stay ahead of the Nets, who even though they traded away Durant and Kyrie, They've got a little hot here, one three in a row. They're only a game up on the Nets and nothing in the loss column for that final non or for the fifth spot. And they're two, they would have been only a game behind the Cavaliers for the fourth spot uh, to have home field advantage in the fourth in the first round. So big blown lead there. The Cavs and Knicks are two interesting young teams that could match up in the first round. Uh, I think the Cavs are way more talented, but the Knicks are way better coached. And it'll be interesting. A lot of times the the uh, the coach has the advantage in these playoff series. It's such a big difference. Although, kudos to the Knicks. I haven't said this very often in the nearly 30 years I've been talking about sports on either radio, TV, or now podcast. But kudos to the Knicks for the Jalen Brunson signing. Almost everything. The, the Knicks make the Jets look like a model franchise. They've been hit, just absolutely hit. Well, at least in the last 20 years, they make them look that way. Obviously, the Knicks had those great teams with Ewing, Charles Oakley, who I recently had a chance to interview on my TV show, Mason and Starks and all those guys. But since those teams, the Knicks have been one of the most disgraceful franchises in the league. Their owner's an absolute buffoon. and um, But they did a good job with Jalen Brunson. He's probably been the best free agent signing in, in the NBA. An interesting story out west is the Sacramento Kings, led by two-time Cavs coach and Lakers coach Mike Brown, the Sacramento Kings, who we all know, have been a completely irrelevant franchise for as long as we all can remember, have the second best record, tied for the second best record in the in the Western Conference with the Memphis Grizzlies. They've been playing great. They've won seven of the last ten. I don't know the last time that the the Sacramento Kings won fifty games. It's been a while. And I don't know that I, they probably won't get to fifty, but they're gonna get in the high forties. They've they've been tremendous. They offensively. They can score with anybody in the league. But the wet, like where the East feels like, okay, it's going to be Milwaukee and Boston, and that's it. Like, I don't, Philadelphia stinks. The Cavs and Knicks, nice teams. You know, one of them will move on, but neither of those teams is beating Milwaukee or Boston, most likely. Um, so we kind of know, or at least we think we know what's going to happen in the East. But the West, to me, is up for grabs. Obviously, Denver has been by far the best team. And Jokic is going to win the MVP probably for the third year in a row. But he and they have done nothing in the playoffs. Nobody's going to pick Sacramento. Like, you look at the top three teams, Denver, Sacramento, Memphis. None of those teams have done anything in the playoffs. So who knows? So what is it? You got Phoenix at the four seed. They've had a playoff run. 
But Durant's just getting acclimated. Chris Paul always gets hurt. The Warriors, Curry's been banged up. Klay Thompson, not the same player. They're only two games over 500. I'm not writing them off as a six seed. I'm not even writing the Lakers off if they can get LeBron back. You know, they've improved the roster with the trades. And if, if they somehow can get LeBron back from his injury and have him and Anthony Davis healthy, I wouldn't even completely write them out, even though they're under 500. You have those guys, you have a chance. I, I mean, I, I really, it's nearly impossible to pick the West. I'm kind of leaning towards Golden State right now, but that feels crazy since they're only two games over 500. I feel like Phoenix is just is going to be a problem. There's going to be an injury or Durant's going to be unhappy or something weird's going to happen. All right. Um, <clears throat> take a break. And just a couple quick thoughts on baseball. I am going to do, before the baseball regular season begins, I'm going to do one show where I'm talking entirely baseball. Do I'll do a full season preview. Uh, of the Major League Baseball season, make my predictions, do all that. I don't want to get too in-depth today. And with free agency start in the NFL next week, it probably won't happen next week. But before the end, before the season starts, probably the third week of March, I'll do that. I'm excited about that. But I do want to spend a couple minutes on baseball before we wrap things up next, right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. All right, so we're back. And uh, can't wait for the baseball season to start. Anybody that knows me knows baseball is my favorite sport. Now, over the years, the NFL has closed the gap. I, I was, as a kid, my favorite sport was baseball. Believe it or not, my second favorite sport as a kid was college basketball. I was a huge St. John's fan. If you grew up when I did, if you were a teenager in the 80s in New York, you were a big bas- college basketball fan. I liked college basketball more than the NBA as a kid. College basketball was my second favorite sport. The NFL was third, and then the NBA was fourth. Now, baseball and the NFL are way ahead of everybody else, and the NFL has even closed the gap on baseball for me, but I still, baseball is my favorite sport, and this time of the year is exciting, A, because baseball's starting, and B, because you hope that the weather is going to start getting better, too. Uh, Here in Cleveland, that doesn't really consistently happen until May, but anyway... Uh, As we get going with this season, uh, I do think there's a lot of interesting storylines, but a couple of things. First of all, every year there are people, there are fans, there are media members who get suckered in by spring training. A guy getting off to, this guy's going to have a big year in a big spring training. You have to remember, folks, that pitchers in particular, especially veteran pitchers, are working on a lot. And a pitcher like, say, Max Scherzer, may say, I'm going to only throw one pitch today. But we, looking at the box score, we don't know that. Or another young hitter that we never heard of might hit 13 home runs in spring training, but maybe they're all off guys that are going to be playing in double-A this year. So you got to have some context. Records are meaningless. Right now, the two best teams in spring training are the Royals and the Red Sox. They're a combined uh, 18-2. and Now, maybe one of those teams will surprise, more likely the Red Sox, but most likely they're going to stink. And if they do surprise, it's not an indicator because they did it in spring training. It's a coincidence. The Royals are going to stink. I can guarantee you that. Could the Red Sox be better? I guess. I don't see it in that division. I, I, I I don't like their pitching at all. But again, I'll get more in depth on that. 
the World Baseball Classic is starting. It has started already. Um, I- I'm torn on the World Baseball Classic because I don't – I think it's a weird t- – like, there's just not a great time to have a baseball tournament. And from a personal standpoint, I don't want to see any of my players on my team um, – get injured right but I do think it's good in terms of growing the sport we've seen some other countries here Australia Italy Israel like you think of baseball you think of the United States Latin America and Japan that's uh, Korea maybe South Korea like those are the places you think of baseball but they're trying to expand the sport in Europe in other parts of Asia I think that's a good thing um, but it's just kind of weird timing when they have it. But uh, unfortunately, there's no answer. Like I said, I'll get more in-depth in- into Major League Baseball as we go. Uh, for those who don't, may not, may be new to me and don't know me, I will, I will in, in full uh, transparency tell you who my, I grew up rooting for. I grew up, believe it or not, in New York City as a Cubs, Bengals, and St. John's basketball fan. Obviously, that's not the surprise part. That's the only normal part. I did grow up a New York Rangers fan, although, as I said, I'm not much of a hockey fan. But if I had to pick a a favorite hockey team, it would be the Rangers. Um, And that's it. I don't have a favorite NBA team. But I have lived and worked in Cleveland for uh, almost 12 years. And, you know, I wouldn't when I moved here, if you would have said, well, I root for the Cleveland teams, too. There's there's some fans I know. Good old Joe Beningo would be furious if he heard me say that. Uh, but the reality is you live and work in a place for a long time and you talk and all your friends root for a certain team. It happens. So I've kind of uh, I, I like to see the Cavs do well. It was when the Cavs won a championship. It was amazing here in Cleveland because it was the first championship in forever here. Uh, I, I, I do root for the Browns to do well because it's good for business. And when they're not when they're not playing the Bengals. And certainly, I'm a big fan of the Guardians against anybody against the, but the Cubs. But I always try to keep my fandom out of my opinion. I'll rip the Cubs. I'll rip the Bengals. I'll rip any team. I don't care. I don't let my fandom get in the way of an honest opinion. To me, there's nothing more important. That's it for this first edition of the National Bullpen with Adam the Bull. I'll be back again with another episode on Friday. There'll be a lot to get to going into the weekend of the start of the NFL calendar year 2023. Things winding down in the NBA and the NCAA tournament uh, selection Sunday coming up soon. We'll get into all of that. Uh, For now, I'll see you later with The Bullpen with Adam the Bull. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.